Thank you all for tuning in. The following is a presentation of Bald Spots Productions. Be sure to like, comment, and share. You know, subscribe, follow, whatever it is you've got to do to kick that algorithm into gear and help us reach more people. Yes, it is I, your humble host, Bill Hatch the third, coming to you live from the financial home studios of Bald Spots Productions here in the beautiful city of Malden, Missouri. Joining me from across the time zones, uh, from a more than acceptable safe social distance, is my guest for today, Steve Bates. How are you doing, Steve? Great, thank you. Wow. Well, uh, um, of course, this is another uh, another instance when uh, when one of my guests has uh, has declined to appear, and so uh, so we get to do uh, get to have some one to one time with uh, with Steve here, and uh, it's going to be interesting because uh, he's got a past I'm certainly interested in, um, especially uh, especially these days. But uh, uh, my first question that I always ask people is, who are you reading right now? Oh, that's interesting. I'm I'm reading a lot of uh, nonfiction right now. Um, okay. Authors in the uh, realm of physics and cosmology who are talking oh, about nice. some wacky things such as multiple universes, infinite number mm -hmm. of universes, parallel universes, um, and the realm of consciousness. What makes our minds actually aware? of what's going on to the point that we can think and talk and host radio programs and do all the things we do. And right. these are just areas that are, you know, we're just really starting to dive into. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard of, of two competing theories of uh, the infinite universe and the infinite number of universes um, that, uh, um, that it's possible that our universe is infinitely large and that if you traveled far enough you would find people doing exactly the same things there that they're doing here like another duplicate earth with a, another another steve bates and another bill hatch having a radio conversation um yeah how do we how do we know we can't know i mean yeah the math and <laughs> prove these things can or can't happen and they don't agree, so there's a, yep. an equally good chance that they're all wrong, and there's some yeah, unknown explanation. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's always uh, that's always a good one. I'm, I'm glad I didn't go into mathematics. My sister did, but mostly she teaches students. She, she teaches more new students how to how to do their math. <laughs> so, but uh, um, but yeah, um, yeah. The uh, the the consciousness of the mind um, is another interesting uh, subject. Um, what was the the Bozeman brain? It, I think was what it was called. Where the um, where a, a brain that uh, that comes into exist pops into existence thanks to the various uh, rules of chaos um, and thinks it know has a past beyond when it was created but doesn't know for sure and and questions of is it really aware and uh and different different things like that uh um interesting uh and uh um and very strange but uh um <laughs> the idea that we just all popped into existence at some point in the in the middle of the end of the universe and uh and and not knowing if we're really real or not yeah there are some 
so-called experts who believe that we're in some sort of simulation or yeah. we're living in a hologram and that there's this mm -hmm. actual more more real universe out there that we're reflecting in a couple of dimensions. There's a lot of theories out there. Um, yeah, yeah. And when you start going through them all, it's just you get to the point where you say, you know, as much as we've advanced, we've had great people like Newton and Einstein and all sorts of uh, fascinating discoveries mm -hmm. in our lifetimes. You know, we may still be only scratching the surface of what the ultimate <laughs> is. I mean, you start trying yeah. to, as a, as a lay person who has always been interested in science and physics, mm -hmm. um, and you start to get into quantum theory, quantum physics, and you realize, wow, we're just, we really don't know yet what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. The, uh, um, the, uh, the possibilities, um, mind boggling to say yeah. the least. Um, yeah. And even if we, uh, even if we limit our scope to the things we can see here in the world, or we think we are seeing here in the world, um, you know, it, 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 even knowing, trying to know the reality of events that are taking place here are, uh, um, are re what's really going on. Um, it seems like there's a little bit of a war going on over in, uh, in the Middle East, and it seems like China might be getting ready to do World War III, start World War III, and it seems like <laughs> all these other things, and uh, um, and it's tough to uh, tough to get a handle on all of it. But uh, you used to try to get a handle on uh, on some of those things. Um, see, like my like my little segue there, my my yeah. lead up to uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I worked at the Washington Post. It's been a while, it's been a couple of decades, and yeah. I both an editor and a reporter in turn, and uh, really enjoyed it. But, uh, you know, there, there comes a time when, you know, the, the 60 hour weeks kind of get to you and you want to <laughs> live your life. And there is life after daily journalism. Um, yeah. Have, yeah. Reds were still in the business and managing to deal with it. But, uh, you know, God bless them. But, uh, you know, I, I also found through, you know, writing infinite number of stories about local government, education, inflation, you name it, that after a while, you start to do the same things over and over. And so mm -hmm. I decided I wanted to do something different and create some things um, that may or may not be uh, either true or potentially true, but uh, just to kind of use the other half of my brain, which had been kind of uh, sitting there slumbering. So that's what caused me to, to want to transition to science fiction. Um, yeah. reading it, so I'm still doing it. Well, just to, just to stay on, uh, on reporting, uh, today, what are, what do you think of today's citizen journalist? If you'll, uh, if you'll pardon the term. Right. Yes. I mean, they, they have a, a very solid purpose. They're, you know, providing information. We all have to remember that, you know, we need to apply filters to everything we read, whether it's from mm -hmm. a citizen journalist, uh, the Washington Post, another newspaper, magazine, uh, social media in particular, um, friends and family. You know, I, I come from a family in which half of us are at one extreme of the political spectrum and the other half are at the other extreme. So family gatherings can be a little uh, dicey. But, you know, when you, you talk to people who have, you know, different experiences. It's always useful to just remember how people faced with the same sort of 
inputs, data, you know, such as it is, whether from citizen journalists or whatever, will come to different conclusions and be so certain that those different conclusions are true that they're just not going to change their minds. So, you know, I guess my point is, is that what is reality and objective fact anymore? It's almost out the window with, particularly as we get into the age of AI. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which, uh, which is a great segue to your book. Yeah, um, thank you. You've written a, you've actually written a couple of books, haven't yeah. you? Yep. Yeah. I'm working on a third. And working on a third. Wow. That's uh, yeah. I'm I'm still working on my first. Oh. <laughs> um, but it'll probably be nonfiction. Um, I I started working on a on a book on uh, podcasting. Uh-huh. Um, figured uh, figured get a try to get a handle on this thing and find out where I went wrong. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, let's see. Your first novel was called Back to You. Right. Uh, what that, was that one about? That was just uh, you know I always have loved humor. I loved the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series. So I awesome series try to catch that tone and write that tone uh, with a um, humorous story involving time travel. There's a, a guy who's like a maintenance guy at a local, at a cable TV network, and he accidentally discovers a time machine in an alley. Guy parked it there. <laughs> he had come back from the future being told, hey, you know, there's a deli here on this street that has the best pastrami and rye in the entire universe. <laughs> and so he came back there he was a little late. The pastrami and rye was gone. It was replaced by a head shop. But while he was looking for it, this other guy stumbles on it, and then he goes off on all these tangents. And then he brings it back, <laughs> and the cable news station is starting to use it to dig up these big scoops, like going back to find the guy who invented fire and the first wheel and stuff like that. And it gets crazy. Okay. So it, it was just fun. You know, it was just stream of unconsciousness. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I, I may have to, uh, I may have to pick that one up. I'm, uh, I'm, I've gone back to grad school, uh, for a, uh, for a master's in divinity Ooh. and, uh, they have me reading all these, uh, all these heady, uh, heady books about, uh, about theology and, and, uh, and reaching the world and trying to make it a better place and, uh, and all. And, uh, I think I need a little humor. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, theology and, uh, is really, it's really going to be a, a critical area of, of discussion and study as the age of AI comes upon us, because mm-hmm. you're going to have to encounter and deal with questions like, you know, does a machine, can a machine have a soul? Um, right. Can a machine really take on any human characteristics? How would we know if it was empathetic or just pretending to be empathetic? Um, right. And, you know, and then that makes us think about, well, how do we find our own souls? How do we ensure that we have and exude the qualities that we think we do or want to do? So I, I think you're really in a, in a good area there and uh, mm-hmm. maybe you can help some of us as we start fighting what will be the inevitable battle between, you know, AI and humanity. Yeah, yeah. Well, once we once we actually get there, I mean, we're we're still in the phase of uh, of AI when uh, when it's really just a computer mimicking humanity uh, based on on instructions that have been given. Um, I hate to say it because I have a side project in uh, in business that's uh, um, that is 
AI powered and, and we make a big deal about that. And it's like, yeah, but it's really annoying because there's really not a such a thing as AI right now and may not be for decades or centuries yet to come. Um, but, uh, um, but yeah, um, but yeah, it is uh, it is a lot of fun to uh, to think about, and uh, um, and certainly something worth exploring as we uh, as we start taking our tentative steps into it. And that's what your book, uh, your your novel, Castle Sand, is about, right? It it does have a lot of that in there. We're we're looking at the first interactions between people and conscious AIs, and there's a couple of them. One is uh, um, built on Earth, and another uh, was created. Uh, and became um, a planet-wide AI on a distant planet. He's completely consumed the planet and uh, pulling all of it, the resources of an entire planet together, making it quite fearsome. So uh, yes, that collision is at the heart of this book, and I'm working on another one that is, instead of being set on, a, on our planet, is set on Earth about 25, 30 years from now with a similar theme. But uh, yes, in Castle of Sand, we have <laughs> this um, collision and we have the uh, battle of uh, a small number of uh, you know, humans attempting to basically save the human race, but on another planet and with all sorts of you know, battles that have to be fought with that AI there and an indigenous race of human-like people. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough slog is all I'll say that it's not an easy battle. No, no, I, I bet. Um, but yeah, Castle of Sand sounds, uh, sounds interesting. And that's available on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble, correct? Correct. Uh, anywhere you can find uh, books, uh, but uh, Amazon is probably the, the best place to go or, or Barnes and Noble for the- uh, Sure, uh, that's awesome. I'll make sure to put the link in the description so uh, people can find it uh, very easily. Um, but uh, so tell me more about the about the new novel, the one you're working on now. Yeah, um, I, I'm trying to anticipate and, and actually plot out how some of these uh, AIs could emerge as sentient beings as opposed to just computers that work very fast and can right. analyze and respond. You know how they can do that, and you know, in in doing research and reading about what people are saying at these various AI conferences that are going on, they clearly don't know how that will happen, but they think it will happen. A majority of them do, and they clearly don't know how to prevent it from getting out of control. And that's sort of where I'm going with this new novel. You know, you can try to program a machine to do certain things and not do certain things, but you know, consider telling a very powerful computer, solve climate change. Right. You might find a way to do that. It might decide that in order to do that, it has to wipe out the human race. You know, that's an right, extreme. Right. But you just have to be so careful what you tell machines because they might actually do what you ask them to do. Mm -hmm. And then you might have to have <laughs> what happens. So I'm trying to anticipate that. Uh, I'm trying to anticipate the human side of reacting to AIs as people begin to augment themselves, um, microchips being inserted into human brains, that's already happening as an experiment, right as we speak. It's happening. Um, it's very early. We don't know how well it'll work, but I can conceive of a time in a few decades where a lot of people will have those in their heads. There'll be universal Wi-Fi. 
You'll be able to communicate just instantly with anyone you want um, and do all sorts of, have all sorts of apps loaded. And right. the apps that is kind of central to the storyline in this new book uh, is one that allows people to feel the senses of other people, to see and feel and taste and touch what they're feeling. And, um, you know, that it's a very popular app, but it sort of leads to all sorts of abuses. You know, for uh, for a second there, it uh, it made me think of uh, the old uh, uh, the old Leslie Nielsen movie uh, Forbidden Planet, oh, okay. where where what happened when they were all connected to you know the race that had disappeared had all been connected to a centralized computer with all these abilities and and uh, um, yeah, uh, and that ended poorly. Uh, <laughs> but we did get the Naked Gun movies. So. Yes, we did. Yes. <laughs> but uh, but Castle of Sand is is you know it's a it's a different novel that it's on a it's not on Earth it's out in way out there somewhere. Um, but it really sort of you know takes a look at what will happen when people are no longer no longer exactly like we are by either by virtue of enhancements, physical enhancements, mental enhancements. Um, interbreeding with other species, but, you know, there will come a time when we really aren't sure what it means to be human, you know, in quotes, right. whether it be a post-human or transhuman age. And we just sort of have to think about that. Is that okay? You know, maybe we'll be better. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll just decide to, you know, have our brains uploaded into computers and live that way. Uh, I don't think so, but some people might. Yeah. Yeah. Where we end up with, uh, with two societies. Um, one within the computer and one without, right. um, could be, uh, could be interesting, uh, um, kind of, uh, uh, Morlocks versus, uh, uh, oh, darn it. Now I can't remember the time machine, um, uh, <laughs> uh, Morlocks and, oh, shoot. Who are the people in, in the time machine who lived above the earth? That's gonna, that's gonna bother me now. Now, well, you'll think of it in a I'll think of it. I'll think of it. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, but speaking of that, how far would, uh, would you go in, uh, um, in enhancing yourself or, or, uh, um, extending your lifespan, uh, through, uh, through computer, uh, enhancements? Yeah. You know, it's a good question. If I were a lot younger, it might, it might be something I would, you know, consider more seriously. And if the technology were more developed, um, you know, I could see putting a computer chip in my in my head if they were, you know, enough people had done it where it appeared to be relatively safe. But yeah. um, you know, wouldn't be the early adopter. Yeah, not <laughs> now. Now, probably a little bit <laughs> over that. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, on current AI systems like uh, well, like ChatGPT um, with uh, with OpenAI? And, yeah, uh, and their stuff. What uh, what are your thoughts on using that kind of stuff? Well, I I have to admit that um, there was an assist from um, the uh, Mid Journey app um, in the mm -hmm. cover of my book. Okay, well that's well, nice. I, this castle is surrounded by these this giant wave about to crash on it, and that mm -hmm. wave. This of planets, stars, galaxies, nebulas, and gas, and all sorts of other stuff. Sure. You know, I fed that idea to my artist, who fed it to the, the Journey app, who then 
touched up, cleaned it up, fixed it up, and produced the cover out of it. So that's a, that's a very nice looking cover. Yeah, um, I like it a lot, and uh, I mean that's just the the you know the just the very beginning of you know the many things that you can do now. On the other end of the spectrum, there are AIs that are searching the web, um, looking at the works of a particular author. I have not been victimized in this way, but they mm -hmm. might analyze everything that person has written and produce a new book using that person's words in logical form and mm -hmm. putting it on Amazon and selling it without that the knowledge or approval of the person mm -hmm. whose words they're using. Uh, and there's been some lawsuits already about this yeah. case. So, you know, how carefully do we craft these applications and, 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 you know, and protect people from them? How much do we think about it or not care? There's going to be a whole wide range of, of implications of these things now. Many of them are benign. They're helpful. They're useful. You know, I ask Siri questions all the time. But uh, when we get to yeah. the next generation and the generation after that, of these um, AIs that, that are really going to be AIs. I mean, what we're looking at with these things. I mean, these are not the droids we're looking for. I mean, these are these are useful, seemingly intelligent, but really just mimicking people type of machines. But when mm -hmm. we get into the next generations, then it's going to be a real issue because we're not going to really know what we're dealing with. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh... That's kind of scary, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, but yeah, I mean we can't we can't wait to kill each other, so uh, might as well have computers doing that too. Yeah, but uh, um, great. Um, you've also written a bunch of uh, a bunch of short stories, I see. Yeah, um, it's fun because over, you, uh, you over there on and have have a great time with it. Yeah. 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 Uh, your your website is stevebateswriter.com, mm -hmm, and right. uh, um, I'll definitely get the link to that in the description so people can find it. I, I see your uh, your blog has a bunch of, uh, of short works uh, yeah. in it. Um, no, that's great. You're quite prolific. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, wow. Um, Let's see. Um, oh, you're an award-winning author. If you're around you? as old as I am, yeah, eventually you're going to win something. So, <laughs> you know, back in the day when reporters were really, you know, valued and needed before AI, yeah, we, we, we went out and occasionally we would come up with something uh, notable. Um, I even wrote a, uh, many years ago, a, uh, a gardening book that won a couple of awards. It was more of a book about oh, nice. why we do it you know, how we do it and, and you know, what it does for our minds and bodies as opposed to this is the best way to plant carrots or okay. poison ivy or whatever you like to grow. Um, but, you know, those aren't things that I, you know, particularly, uh, yeah, I'll put them on my website, but, you know, awards are out there and can be grabbed by a lot of people, but, you know, that's not the kind of thing you, you know, think about when you're falling asleep at night or when you're, uh, uh, you know, thinking back on your life is what really mattered. It's uh, how much money I earned. No, no, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it, 
did you meet it and interact with other people in an interesting fashion and learn something mm -hmm. from them, uh, whether they're relatives or neighbors or people you've never met or guests on a podcast, whatever, it, you know, those are the things that give me the ideas to create in what I'm doing now, because mm -hmm. if you spend all day sitting at your computer at a keyboard and you're staring at the screen, for me at least, it's a little hard to create. You know, I, I can I can find inspiration when I'm sort of not even consciously looking for it. You know, maybe I'm on my exercise mm -hmm. machine going to the store or whatever. Um, you you look for things, but they come to you because some part of you is just kind of open to them, and you're you know you're letting your brain just not judge all the inputs you're getting. You're you're just trying to uh, live in the moment without just thinking. Yep, got to do this at three, this at three thirty, this at four, and you're kind of just moving through the the motions. You know, I did that for a number of years as you know working for other people. But now that I'm self-employed, I'm able to just sort of break away from that and just, uh, you know, I can take a nap. I can write for six hours straight without, you know, a break, um, whatever the day brings. And uh, it's right. a luxury, but um, that's how I work best, not mm -hmm. by just sort of thinking about awards or whatever people are going to think about. <laughs> what are people going to think of this? Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. Um you know, how did you uh, how did you first get to get into more of the of the housekeeping of uh, of getting published? How did you first get published? Did you was it the short stories first? Was it the books first? Did you go uh, self published or or traditional route or some combination of the two? Yeah. What uh, what was the story there? Okay, um, yes, yeah, so the short stories was the way for me. I had to learn my craft, I'm still learning my craft. Um, you have to rewire your brain when, uh, you know, after writing journalism for years to, you know, to write creatively. Um, it wasn't easy, it's still, the transition's still going on more than a decade later. But um, yes, the short stories are easier to place. Well, they're easier to, to do. You don't have to work a year or two on a short story, or if you do, it's it better be good. But um, yes, those get you, um, you know, the credits, you can put up a link, show someone a link or, you know, say that there's a hard copy of this on Amazon that has my, you know, 4,000 word short story in it. Uh, and I've got another one here and another one there. And then when you're starting to write your your um, novels, um, you can use those as examples that someone thought you were worthy. You know, I, I look for agents for a while. Uh, a lot of people were telling me, don't use an agent, don't use an agent. I, I tried it, um, just never found the right connection. And so I've gone to some of the uh, independent publishers, not the big ones, um, and uh, had uh, both of my uh, completed novels were, you know, placed with independent publishers. Uh, current one is Sunstone Press out in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, and they're a, a fine outfit and uh, very proud to be associated with them. Uh, so uh, it's, you know, there is a, Shifting, changing market where the the old way of doing things for writers is is kind of out the window, and you know now you're you're evaluating all your options. You know you might use an agent, you might not. You might use a traditional publisher, you might self-publish, but um, everyone finds what's comfortable for them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, also, um, there, there's always something I'm curious about with uh, with most people um, is what has been your experience with editors of your uh, it, when it comes to your books and and your short stories too, I suppose. Right. That's a good point. Um, it varies. Um, having been an editor at times in the past, not of science fiction, but of, of newspaper articles, mm -hmm. I'm a little more sensitive than maybe I might be to the legitimate, you know, points that an editor will make. Um, you know, sometimes I wish that editors had been more thorough than, you know, or, or less thorough, um, you, know, <laughs> in terms of, you know, what they do. But ultimately, when you have an a publisher, whether it's for a short story or a novel or a nonfiction book, you you're taking a chance when you you know you cut a deal with a with an organization that whoever they decide to be your editor that you're going to get along with them. And when you first encounter them, usually through emails, um, you know you, you it's good to sort of actually get on the phone or on, on a on, on the web and have a face to face meeting and just sort of talk about you know what you sort of see is what maybe the piece needs and doesn't need and, you know, see if you can get some sort of, you know, upper level agreement about it beforehand, or you could have some conflicts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's, uh, that's always interesting, uh, to find, uh, to find out because, uh, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of people think, uh, or might be thinking, uh, oh, I don't need an editor. <laughs> that now, sense, we all need I've, editors. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> even uh, even my school papers, I have uh, I have my father go through and edit them. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so which is easier, writing or editing? Oh gosh, I think editing's easier. It's easier to destroy someone else's work than to create your own. No, it's I, I'm I'm being a little facetious. I mean sure. you. But I would say that when you're writing fiction, the creative part of it, the first draft for me is is quite demanding. You know, I um, I will just say that you know when you're doing that first draft, you're just you have to plunge yourself into that world that you're creating and create it and plunge into it and then create it and plunge into it and then pull it out of the back of your mind and put it right down there on that keyboard and then. Can you type as fast as you think? No, but you, you do your best. So for me, that's the toughest part. And there are just periods of time when I just say, okay, I'm going to take today or this week or even this month and lock the door, fill it with junk food and caffeine, maybe a chamber <laughs> pot, and then just go into it. Well, chamber pot's a lot better than the alternative of, uh, of being on the ground, but uh, <laughs> got to keep changing that carpet. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, um, okay. No, that's really uh, it's really interesting. Um, you know, as I as I said, I'm kind of I've kind of been working on my own book. Uh, I kind of had to set it down about a month or two ago um, to to work on uh, on the move. But uh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get back to it, and uh, and I'm sure somebody will rip it up, rip it to shreds uh, as an editor. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And back when I was a kid, I, I wrote uh, I wrote some nonfiction, but uh, uh, never never went anywhere with it. Maybe uh, maybe I'll be able to pick that back up too. And, sure. Uh, 
and follow. I have all these authors uh, giving me all these clues and tips and tricks and and uh, and methods and uh, and whatnot. Uh, I better use it for something. Sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I still take classes now and again because mm. feedback, direct feedback on your work from published authors, you know, in these, some of these online classes. And I mean, these are very good published authors who have fought the same battles you're fighting with yourself, as well as with editors and publishers. You know, the toughest <laughs> battles are the ones with yourself. How can yeah. I get across this character as, you know, complex as he is without boring the reader? How can I fill in black? How can I do this, this, and this? And these people have done it and they can offer suggestions, and I just feel those those suggestions, you know, in ringing in the back of my head as I'm writing and sort of uh, trying to make the same mistakes as I made before, and you know, uh, and, and correcting them. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think there's yeah. ever a point at which we, as writers and podcasters and human beings, ever stop learning. If we do, that's kind of when everything goes downhill. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Once you uh, once you start making the same mistakes over and over again, or uh, or just can't make new mistakes, then uh, yeah, it's probably time to hang it yeah. up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm all for oh. making mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to make all new mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, speaking of making uh, all new mistakes, uh, uh, we've uh, we've come to about our time. I think uh, I think that's about as good a point to uh, to hang it up as uh, as anyone, and uh, um, I'd like to thank uh, my guest uh, Steve Bates. Um, his website is stevebateswriter.com, and uh, you can find the uh, the link in the description, so you can go check it out and uh, read some of his material and uh, go buy a book or two because um, they're there. <laughs> find out why you should garden. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, I always, uh, I always ask all my guests uh, um, a final question. Uh, do you have any final words for the nice people? No, just be kind to one another. Those sound like pretty good final words, anyway. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, for being on the show and putting up with my shenanigans. And uh, I'd certainly like to uh, thank the audience for tuning in. And uh, remember to uh, be safe out there, wash your hands, and stay tuned for the ending credits. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Bald Spots Productions. I'd like to thank our producer, my beloved mother, Eileen Hatch. I, of course, am your humble host. I'd like to thank my special guest, Steve Bates. Support the show if you feel so led over on Patreon.com, we're known as Bald Spots Pro. Don't you dare miss YWL Online. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and wherever fine podcasts are offered. Be sure to tune in next time when my special guests will be Jessamine Dodd and Tara Fields. Be sure to like, comment, and share. You know, subscribe, follow, whatever it is you've got to do to kick that algorithm into gear and help us reach more people. If you or someone you know needs support now, call or text 988 or chat 988lifeline.org. That is the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline here in the United States. 